0: Welcome to the PEI podcast. Uh, my name is Andrew Woodman. I'm the special projects editor with Private Debt Investor. I'm here today with um, Alex Smith, CEO and founder of ESO Capital, a European private debt fund that specializes in SME lending. Uh, we also have uh, Matthias. Geisner who is an external advisor to plexus investments which uh, advises family offices across uh, several asset classes including uh, alternatives and private debt so today this discussion we're going to have is about technology um, and how technology is sort of used by private debt uh, fund managers and investors in deal sourcing, deal origination, and sort of back office and portfolio management. So across the board. I'll start with Matthias, because Matthias, we had an interesting discussion earlier this year, didn't we, at the uh, PDI Germany Forum in Munich, um, and you was on a technology panel. And one of the things you said that was quite interesting and provocative was that, um, you know, if you're not innovating now, you're already slipping behind Uh if you could sort of elaborate a bit more about what do you think about the current state of technology in private debt and um, are managers sort of keeping up?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for having me here. I think um, when we ventured into looking what's going on in the AI space and uh, what managers are, how managers are adapting to it across the board of strategies. Um, we looked then at some point into the private debt space and wanted to figure out how they apply any kind of technology um, within the investment process. And uh, what we figured out is, and it was quite astonishing, most of the people I was talking to, they haven't applied any kind of a tool set yet. Um, We're not talking about peer-to-peer landers because this is like the the bread and butter business, uh, why they are in business. It's all about the uh, statistics, figuring out how a loan can default on an individual or on a SME. Um, But if you're talking about SME landers um, who do bespoke deals, bespoke loans, then it's a completely different kind of story. And what we like to see, uh, and maybe like this is too advanced in the discussion now, but uh, what we like to see is that um, first of all, they start in their underwriting process of using uh, big data and scrapping data to figure out how in which kind of good shape a company is and whether they will be in good shape, because this is the biggest problem. It's not like um, where they are today when you. Uh, securitize a loan is much more important to figure out what happens in like three, five uh, five years time when the loan um, matures and whether that business is still good. And you only can do this if you really scrap the data and figuring out uh, in what kind of industry they are and whether that industry will be um, in good shape going
0: forward. So already there are uh, managers who are using technology in sort of various ways. Um, Alex, you, we were discussing earlier before we uh, we got onto the podcast that, that you do use um, um, sort of data, sort of um, algorithms to for deal sourcing
2: and well, due diligence. Let me be precise. First of all, um, ESO, we do what I think, Matthias, you described. We are bespoke capital solutions to larger SMEs. Um, In that sense, we use technology where we basically start from the underwriting process through due diligence all the way to the investment side and monitor data, right? The reason we do it, I have to say, is less for figuring out whether a company is in good shape or in less good shape. Um, I'll get to that in a second. We do it in order to minimize human resource expenditures that we have on any one transaction. Our business is incredibly labor-intensive. So we have our own asset management staff that basically looks after loans and see how they perform. Uh, We use a system called DealCloud, which basically incorporates that whole sort of thing in terms of information all the way to investor reporting because, frankly, it helps us uh, to check ourselves. It helps us to kind of reevaluate how we underwrote the loan versus what came out. And there's some interesting things that always come out in these things. And it helps us, frankly, to streamline the process of collecting and managing information for ourselves and for our investors. Right? Getting to the point that you mentioned, um, and um, I think in terms of what Matthias said, um, we built a business uh, which is called ESF, um, which basically is a slightly more advanced version from um, at least the targeting from a funding circle because it targets smaller SMEs uh, than ESO, but larger SMEs than we'd normally see in peer-to-peer lending. um, I slightly disagree that peer-to-peer lending is really all that good in that because, frankly, it's a lot of... It's individual consumer loans, and even though there are SME lenders out there, I would say they are much closer to consumer loans, because if you're taking personal guarantees as security, that's a consumer-oriented business. So Funding Circle, in my mind, is a much more consumer-loan-oriented business than it suggests. Um, On the SME side, what we have done is we've developed an algorithm with a gentleman that has built this thing for 20 years, where we are able to uh, go to Companies House Data, Um, and basically suck all that information in, and then that helps us to predict which companies would be more interested in debt that we provide, and that's anywhere from sort of 200,000 to maybe 5 million, as well as have some predictability of defaults. Um, That is a very useful tool because what we found is using this system, our response rates have gone up dramatically, meaning that In sourcing, because that's obviously the difficult part about this thing is you spend a lot of time chasing after things that really don't go anywhere, and the response rates um, that we've had with the algorithm are probably 20 times better than if you do cold calling. That's obviously a huge advantage for us, right? So we use technology ESO that is less about the sourcing side, that is more about the information management side. On the ESF side we do use what everyone would be calling AI and we do use artificial intelligence in that. It also has helped us very much at ESF to raise capital. So at ESF we raised now 500 million pounds from institutions. One of those institutions um, actually asked us to model thousands of different real life portfolios in debt to kind of give them a sense of how that would perform. So we've modeled 10,000 real life portfolios over 10 years and we've given that information back to the investor and that gave them a really good sense of, of how our portfolios behave versus what they would like to see. So that's so, helped. So where's this data source coming from? It's proprietary. Okay. The data source is company's house, yes. coupled with publicly in available information. Okay. But uh, that
1: means every time you want to source uh, any kind of idea, you have to go out to hundreds of companies asking for their data so that you can scrap it and getting
2: an idea what might be good in the sense what you'd like to invest. Well, the UK has, the UK has one big advantage. The UK has something called Companies House, which is Germans, for instance, you and I are both German, we don't have that. Right? So Companies House data, while it has flaws, is quite good. So it allows us to access publicly available information on Companies House and get a good sense. I wouldn't say it gives us a perfect sense, because what you then obviously do is to have a human interface, a human overview, right, to kind of sense check, because my experience having done this now for 25 years, SME data is so-so. So so we kind of use technology to minimize uh, human resource expenditures and kind of focus on time where we should be spending time. Mm-hmm. Um, does it mean, th- sorry, okay, go ahead, go ahead,
0: go ahead, <laughs> <laughs> forget you podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Does it mean then also um, once you singled out a company that you go to them and say, okay, I got like this kind of data set, I wanted to reconcile it, right? So for what kind of uh, yeah, data you're asking the company
2: that you can match what you figured out in the first place? Well, first of all, we obviously need to address the company saying, are you interested in working right. with us? Right? Right. just asking for data company's going to say, who are you? Why are you calling me? If a company is interested, right, um, we do it twofold. We work with advisors, insolvency trustees, you know, transaction services guys, where we say, listen, we have a... Certain subset of companies that we have looked at, uh, and we actually also use other outcomes, so, for instance, companies that are likely to default, right? We pass that and, and work with, let's say, an EY or Grant Thornton or someone like that and say, hey guys, there's some interesting subsets here. Can you work with us to get to the company? Because that's obviously a problem. Just having data doesn't get you to the company. Only if a company is interested would we then obviously go and say, hey, we have this data set, we need more usually around security, usually around some balance sheet data, um, but obviously that requires the company saying yes. Mm -hmm.
1: And what kind of tool set are you using then, um, going under the hood
2: uh, with the data you're getting from the company? Again, the algorithm is proprietary. It's built on a a system that's been around for roughly 25 years, built by a gentleman called Wolf Hickman, Um, and um, he is maybe godfather of SME data here in the UK. Um, we're then using, you know, various different systems that then analyzes balance sheet data, security data. Um, we work with outside advisors. It's difficult to tell you one tool set, but the data collection is a proprietary algorithm that we built.
1: Um, the biggest issue, and he is like one of the exceptions, first of all in the sourcing and then how to... To underwrite any kind of deal uh, based on data uh, as he was pointing out earlier on is very labor-intensive and if you look at whatever like 99% of uh, the direct lenders out there what they do is they pride themselves saying we have such a network um, we hire so many people for the sourcing um, they really like or many really like um, sponsor deals um, and then you always wonder, okay, how do you investigate uh, a company and how do you do it in the most efficient way? And for the most part, they just stop uh, where they ask the, the company for any kind of data set and they go through it with, with labor, or with real labor. Uh, first of all, people are missing things. Um, then uh, the other thing is they Maybe they are not as trained because um, they are not as many years in that business. Um, and third, what they completely forget is what's happening around um, that company in in their e- ecosystem. Most of them completely blind that out.
0: The one question I have about sort of technology because we, we were saying earlier there are there are managers out there who are kind of skeptical about how much big data AI they need. Um, also, there's the expense of putting these systems in place. Do they, do they necessarily, are they necessarily outweighed by the labor expenses of, say, doing things in a sort of old uh, sort of, you know, fashioned way or, you know, without using these kind of platforms? What's your view on that, Alex?
2: I mean, just to address this, ESO actually deals in the non sponsored world, right? So we, we, we deal actually on the other end. We have once in a while a sponsored deal, but that's not usually where we are. I, I think the answer is you need to do both. Um, over time, I am a big believer that technology and AI will be more and more a piece of our business. there's no question i 'm not smart enough to figure out how quickly that will go and, and how efficient those systems will be built. Um, the problem you have in SME world, especially as you get smaller and smaller and less sophisticated and less sponsored, the information you get from the companies themselves often is wrong. So obviously, If you have technology, you put wrong information in, guaranteed you get wrong answers out on the other side. So I believe that technology can be a huge help in streamlining information, in saving yourselves time throughout that whole process of information flow from day one when you source a deal or see a deal, all the way to when you provide um, information to your investors. No question, technology helps significantly that process. I also find, and I'm probably the the one who who should listen to to my own message most, guys like me have a tendency to kind of do the same thing over and over again. We're kind of used to it, we've done well, but it's dangerous to always drink your own Kool-Aid and think that you have it all figured out. What what we have found in looking at underwriting versus outcomes uh, is that There are interesting lessons to be learned. There are interesting things that you know um, when you look at a deal that you underwrote three or four years ago. You know, ESO is now 15 years old. We've done lots and lots of deals. It's really interesting to see that the lessons that you've learned or should learn from data looking back. The other thing is investors want it. Investors want better information, more information, um, information that really gets down to very detailed level um, you know, how does your portfolio look and so on, and you can't do that without data. Um, you, we are required um, by the demand of our investors who are getting larger and larger and more sophisticated, uh, you know, now we have a lot of state pension plans, insurance companies, uh, they expect to see similar information that they get from really large investors, uh, large investment managers. Like, you know, there's no difference in terms of information that I need to provide versus, let's say, Blackstone. Uh, so. You're required to have it in my mind.
0: One thing I, I, I this is actually was the question I was going to ask, but it did kind of come across my mind when we were just discussing about you know how the um, you know the, the quality of your kind of technology platform and the data you have also depends on the manager. And also, there's another factor is is, is cyber security and security issues that come up with them. If you're going to be handling this data. Um, and in uses of big data and processes information, you're, you also expose yourself to more risk. And is this something you've given thought to, sort of handling that cybersecurity risk? I mean, are we necessarily prepared um, as we sort of upgrade our systems to sort of face that threat?
1: Let me answer that first <clears throat> from the investor perspective, because it's a very important part of the um, ODD, uh, operational diligence. So once you look into um, the operations of a manager, Whatever, like ten years ago, cybersecurity was not an issue at all, or less so. Put it that way. Uh, these days, you want to see like state of the art um, information or technology structure within the company, um, where you know they they use top notch um, security. Was that um, programs? Um, it's not anymore that uh, you buy. Whether a norton or so and then you are fine for the rest of your life no no it's not um, it's all about how many access points people have to your servers where your servers um, what kind of experience did you have in the past uh, and then also look okay how does the hacker industry put it that way uh, evolve over time because every Every day, there are like uh, 10 new threats or so, or hundreds, put it that way. And uh, then you have to talk to your IT department or the um, outsourced one and say, okay, what is now um, the most advanced program or system that can save myself because I know it is a threat? Um, And there are people taking that into consideration and really build up um, state-of-the-art tools. Um, and then your others, they're just lagging having one guy responsible
0: for the whole network. Okay. Um, so now we've we've sort of come to near to the end. I'd love to get thoughts from both of you in terms of your outlook for the next five years. How much disruption do you anticipate that's coming to the industry? And do you think the, I suppose, people in the industry will will rise to the opportunity presented by by new technologies. Alex. Hard to say. I'd say
2: evolution will be slow. People who adapt, in my mind, will be able to raise more money, better money, more quality money, and therefore they will become, over time, um, a slightly better version of people who haven't evolved. Very difficult to say in our world on the private debt side, specifically in the lower end of the market, if you're talking SMEs, if you can um, over the next five years um, see a huge difference between the people who evolve and the people who won't evolve. Over the next 25 years, I'm pretty sure you'll see that in a very, very significant manner. Um, But I do believe that investor demands will continue to pressure any investment manager and obviously the smaller ones will be more pressured because there's less money around to spend money on these types of things uh, to make uh, to make changes So <clears throat> let me
1: start with um, what's going on on the blockchain and um, how this evolution will drive actually um not only transactions um we will see in back office uh, servicing completely a change of a culture. Um, I think there are so many redundancies going forward. Um, you see that um, loans will be securitized on the blockchain, um, and um, you have um, the DLT um, digital te- digitalized uh, ledger technology like 2.0. Um, because right now, or put it that way, like half a year, I couldn't believe that. Um, Credit um, can be very vulnerable to to that what's going on but it will be because at some point right now a smart contract is not enough it's just only okay you, you talk to two people and uh, you have a transaction but what you do with the with the credit or a loan you have a whole complex of uh, documentation you need um, risk management you need um, then all the the information about um, the debt service and so forth and this will be packaged as well on top of, uh, of any kind of smart contract and so therefore there will be an evolution there and there will be much more efficiency so therefore it's As an investor, I like to have inefficiencies because this is where we put most of our capital in. But on the other hand, you will see that the capital markets get more efficient because of the technology which is out there and will be ruled out.
0: That's fascinating. Definitely, I think um, distributed ledger technology is a topic we will be returning to at some point and probably quite frequently as time goes on. What doesn't help
2: in order to make this work, and I agree with you, Matthias, is that you have a slight disaggregation of um, European countries, you have Brexit, you you have trends, because obviously, for this to work, you will have to have a regulatory body that establishes um, clear-cut rules of how this works between countries. And our American friends obviously don't have that issue. So I think what you will see is that the US, simply by being one country rather than, I don't know, 23 or 25, will have an advantage in this. Now, I agree with Matthias that I make money and my investors make money because markets do not work efficiently. So frankly, to me, this is good news, but I'm not sure it's good news for getting some of these things through.